SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Matt Miguez here, your Louisiana writer. Plenty to talk about this week in the Sunbelt world. Uh, we have some big games to cover this week. We have some big games to talk about from last week. Conference realignment has gotten a major update since we last recorded. And could the Sun Belt be losing one of its premier coaches? Joining me this week to break all of this down is my man, Brian Stone, our Georgia Southern writer. Brian, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, like you said, we do have a lot. It, it feels like we have more off the field stuff to yeah. talk about than honestly on the field. However, I want to do a couple minutes on a team that you do not like to talk about. So it'll be interesting when we get to recap in last week's games. I I know where this is going. <laughs> I know where this is going. And that's that's okay, I guess. Um, so let's 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 go ahead and do that now. Let's recap last week in the Sun Belt, and uh, we will start. Obviously, uh, we've already talked about the Louisiana App State game uh, from the timeline that we recorded last week. The following night, South Alabama, Georgia Southern. You can obviously shed a lot of light on this. South Alabama defeats Georgia Southern forty-one to fourteen. You see, I watched, I probably watched the first half of this game, and I knew pretty early on that it was just over. I mean, I'm going to level with you. I did the exact same thing. Um, um, what, I, I didn't feel like there was any reason to continue watching after halftime of this game. I mean, I'm looking at the ESPN box score. Georgia Southern's leading passer was Cam Ransom, who went, Two for 12 for 63 yards. And one of them was a uh, a completion for 46 to Amari Jones. So Not helping can off. I just say, um, I'm just going to say a couple of things and, and then you can chime in. Uh, number one, uh, I, I saw this coming uh, last week. Um, you know, I, I had had... Uh, a prediction that it was going to be 31-17 South Alabama. Final score was 41-14. to So I, I wasn't terribly off. I mean, I, I didn't pick Georgia Southern to lose by as much as I guess I should have. Um, they are a truly, truly terrible football team. Um, I am... I want to preface this by saying I have 16 days between the end of that game and their next game where I don't have to watch them play football. So I feel blessed in that uh, realm of things. Um, The other thing I want to throw out there is for anybody that gets like annoyed uh, who's in like Georgia Southern circles, who gets annoyed by the way that I talk about these players. I just want to quote what the interim Uh, coach said after the game, Kevin Whitley. Uh, He said after this game, he just wants to find 22 guys who want to play football. So if you come to me and say that I'm being too critical of the players and that they're just kids and all this crap, the coach himself said that he doesn't think the 22 guys that start on Saturday normally 
want to play football enough to start for them moving forward. So, I mean, I guess credit to South Alabama. Um, I, I feel pretty confident in saying Georgia Southern's the second worst team in the Sun Belt at this point. Okay, so I'm going to stand up for the players on that comment because regardless of the scenario, whether, whether the players have given up or not, which is totally the wrong thing, but as a coach, you just can't say that. But he's an interim. I mean, he's probably going to be out of a job after this year anyway. It doesn't matter. You can't say stuff like that, man. I mean, I, I think I, the irony is not lost on me that he coaches the worst position group on the team. I mean, up until being named the interim. Yeah, I was about but to ask, the, what, what position is he on the staff? Corner, cornerbacks. So, so he, wait, wait a second. He coached the position group that currently gives up the you most guys, passing yards in you, the FBS. You guys made your cornerbacks coach? He was interim? he was allegedly the only coach on the staff who had previous head coaching experience. What the hell does that matter? I, I don't know. Billy Napier never had head coaching experience before coming to Louisiana. I'm not the AD man. I didn't make this call. <laughs> like at least promote, you're trying to rationalize something with someone who's already like thrown in the towel. At least promote a coordinator or like a line coach. Cornerbacks, but our, coach? but our offense and defense—I'm I, I, not defending it, but our offense and defense are just so bad that I don't even think it. Like, what does it matter? That's a participation. Like, pers- that's a participation position on the staff, anyway. Correct, but the offense is so bad and the defense is so bad that, like, how would you feel confident, like, well, promoting either coordinator at this point? I mean, I said this going into last week. The rest of the games, yeah, I I don't care. (laughs) Like, I really don't care. Like, if I never saw them play again until 2022, I'd be totally fine. I would, I would continue with the rest of my year as if nothing happened. Um, I I mean, I said this when I was previewing. um, You know, the this game, South Alabama gives up fewer total yards than Georgia Southern gives up passing yards on defense. Like, think about that for a second. Yeah, that's that's bad. So, I, I mean, like I said, credit to South Alabama. Uh, they beat up on a on a bad Georgia Southern team that has another two and ten written on its face. The second time since uh, twenty seventeen, none of the players look like they care very much, um, and and the the interim's comments reflect that. Um, if they're not very good, it just solidifies the reason they fired Chad Lunsford um, because his forte was supposed to be recruiting because it certainly wasn't calling plays. Um, so, I mean, what do you what do you say? Like the the hires of the last two head coaches, whether you like it or not, have set this program back like a decade. So. Yeah. You know, you hire Summers, who ironically recruited very well because he brought in the team that won 10 games. He just couldn't coach to save his life. And now, and then you name your interim the head coach, who is supposed to be a recruiter who can't recruit or coach. So as much as people want to defend him on, like, social media, he can't recruit and he can't coach. So what is his – why, why – what – 
what were they supposed to do? Just keep him around just because he's a nice guy? Right. And also, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about since we're on the subject of Georgia Southern, I know you've probably seen the news that uh, Wesley Kennedy the third is missing. Well, they actually located him. Did they? Or, like, na- they nailed down his location the last I saw today. Oh, okay. See, last I saw was it was an update from last night and they had called off the search for the night and that they were going to start looking again today. And I mean, I hadn't to be honest, else. man, I, I just hope he's like, all right. Uh, I mean, I know that, you know, it was probably no. So I take that back as of an hour ago, the guy who works for one of the Savannah stations says that he's still missing. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, man. I just hope he's all right. Honestly, like, I know he got indefinitely suspended at the end of last year because of getting arrested, but he was, like, one of the most impactful players that we had the last couple of years, and he made that team, honestly, with Shy Wirtz, worth watching. Yep. So, personally, from a personal standpoint, I absolutely hope, like, he hasn't done anything crazy and is okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Going back to, I mean, this team as it currently stands is a train wreck. And like I've seen, you know, players from previous years try to defend it. And it's just like the logic doesn't track. You can't defend this team and say like, well, they're trying really hard. Are they like, can we verify that? Like, it's not like there's a meter at games where it's like, Georgia Southern gave 75% effort, effort meter, right? Right. So it's like, yeah, I mean, again, if they didn't play again in 2021, I'd be totally fine with it. Would not care one lick. Two games on Saturday. Troy gets a pick six late. One of three interceptions from Brady McBride to edge off the Bobcats 31 to 28. And then... This second game on Saturday was probably the shock of the week. So we have to talk about this game. I know you. I, I, I know I you don't, don't want to talk about this game. But, I don't. But we have to talk about it. How? How? I, I'm gonna get a little vocal for a second. How in the hell are you a 32 point favorite to Monroe, and you blow it? How? How? Well, we have to talk about it. And and Monroe's on a backup quarterback. They're on a scrub quarterback. I mean, Red Rodriguez, say what you want, he got the job because of his dad, but the kid played in the Pac-12. Right. They're on a backup QB. And, and, and not to mention, downright awful. I mean, go ahead and put Troy and Liberty up on an island all by themselves and call it the island of idiots. I I don't know. Like, how how do you lose to Monroe? And also, I I know you don't want to hear. I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it. I think they're getting better. No, like I think they're getting significantly better. And I. That's I not what we need this either. 
I know you don't want to hear this either, but you guys, the, the chances of you guys losing your head coach at the end of this year no. is pretty high. Stop it. Stop and it. So stop it. Stop it. If ULM continues to improve. What are you about to Louisiana, say? What are you about to say? And Louisiana no, has to start you, over. Brian, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute you. Listen, okay, I, I won't say it, but what I, I will Cause, say cause is... Because I know what I, you're thinking. You're about I'll, to say that ULM could become the best team in Louisiana, and that's a... No, I wasn't going to say that. Well, okay, what were you going to say? I, I, was, I, I was just going to say, like, it's it's a little bit of, like, revenge, I guess is not the right word, but it's, it's the one I'm going to use. It's like, there have been so many years where, like, you know... ULM was just licking the boots of every team in the Sun Belt. And now it seems like they've at least got some sense of self, like they, what they want to do on either side of the ball. And I mean, Gross. you know, they're not consistent because I won't, I'm, I'm not going to give them that. Like I, I was looking at their, their schedule up to this point. I mean, like they beat Troy, which was nice. And then they lost by 53 to Coastal, and then they lost by 34 to Georgia State. And Georgia State, I, I mean, I'll say that. Isn't it, great. Not a, not a great team. So, but I will say, I, I think incrementally they're getting better. So. And, and I knew, I knew that they would under Terry Bowden. I knew they would. I mean, he just, he's got... Oh, I didn't think there was any... Uh, just, to, just to be clear, like, I didn't think there was any chance that they were going to stay as bad as they had been. Right. Like, I thought you, they were going to be better You now. can only go up from where they were. Right. But but what I will say is, like, they're showing market improvement from even this year alone from game to game versus what you got last year, which was like... They were just wasting people's time, essentially, is what they were doing. All I'm saying is I don't want to go back to a couple years ago where the West came down to the two of us. Because that's not any fun. That's not any fun. I remember vividly 2018. Napier's Napier's first season, 2018. Or was it 2019? One, One of those two years. One of Napier's first two years. We went up to Monroe. And... They missed a field goal. We won the game on them missing a field goal, and that secured, yeah, it was a one point game, right? And that secured our spot in the conference championship game. Well, I'll say this to Louisiana Monroe's credit: I feel like the way that they've positioned their coaching staff is like they have hired such, and this is a credit to them. This is honestly not a knock, but I'm going to say it: they have hired such retreads as their head coach and OC that no one's coming to poach them. Like no one's coming to poach Terry Bowden and Rich Rod. So because they know what they're getting. So they're not like coming for those guys. Those guys are going to be left alone on an Island by themselves. The Island of Monroe, Louisiana. Right. But they're, but they're not going to be one of these coastal Right, you know Louisiana teams where everyone's looking and going. Well, you know Terry Bowden or Rich Rod really reinvented themselves in Monroe. Like they're just going to leave them alone. Like unless they win the conference, like everyone's just going to ignore them. No, it's exist. it's gonna it's gonna so, be it's it's gonna be reading an article about Monroe and somebody's gonna go, wait, Rich Rod's still coaching, right? 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. What but but that's kind of to the AD's credit. Like they hired guys that no one was going to come and steal. So like if they improve as they have been, and I mean, hand up, I, I thought Liberty was going to cover the spread. Oh my so, God. Like, they I were going to murder him. <laughs> so I was dead wrong. But I, what I will say is they seem to be getting better. They don't seem like the absolute dead worst team in the conference. I think Arkansas State is the worst team in the conference. Ooh. They have the worst. They lost to us. That's our only conference win this year. And y'all did destroy them. Yeah, I think it was 59-33. No. They have the worst defense in the FBS. Oh, so, their, yeah, their defense I, is I bad. Think, I'm think, so ready for it Thursday night. <laughs> I think they're the worst team in the in the conference, and I think and, ULM has at least moved up to and, and you know, I third or fourth. I agree with everything worst. you're saying about Monroe. I don't disagree with any of it. I think they are all on an improving track. I think that they have done things the last two or so years the right way. Um, however, I will say this. It, it is inevitable that they will not be an FBS program in five years. They can't afford it. Dude, I looked at the I looked at the recent numbers and I'm going to pull them up again while I'm talking just for clarification. The USA Today, they release um, a, a chart every year on athletic budgets. And I'm going to do this just for clarification. I'm going to, I'm going to say what Louisiana's budget is and then what UL Monroe's budget is. So, according to this article, UL's budget is thirty million, which is inaccurate, but that's one hundred five. That's one hundred fifth in the country. Mm-hmm. Monroe. Let's see. I got to scroll for a ways. Fifteen two. What do they rank? 175th. So, but here's my question. It's not going to happen this year, but if they start making bowl games regularly and start winning games on on a more frequent basis and aren't like the absolute joke that they have been the last couple of years, does that get like a significant bump at all? Do you think, or is it just like going to stay how it is regardless of what happens on the field? I think it's going to stay the way it is regardless of what happens on the field. Cause regard the, the market to have a fan base is just not there in Monroe. Yeah. They, they've never had great attendance. That's just, you, you don't make money in Monroe. There's not enough business in Monroe to bring big time sponsors in, in order to, to make yourself, you know, profitable to, to clarify, um, in in terms of just football, one, two, three, there are three Southland schools with bigger budgets than Louisiana Monroe. Three of them. Yeah. 
I mean, dude, it's tough. I, 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 there's going to come a time, especially as our economy gets more and more expensive. Louisiana Monroe is not going to be able to operate. And, and $15 million is not their football budget. That is their athletic budget. Yeah. You're not going to be able to operate as an FBS program on $15 million a year. You're just not. Yeah. I give it I, I give it five years and they're in the Southland. I mean right, but I don't I don't know, man. Like regardless of budget, I think this Liberty victory, I mean, they could be doing something like really doing something like in don't, don't start their that, team. Don't start that conversation. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna beat you guys like this year. But I mean, in the future, they could be the last thing Monroe needs. Not the not the worst team in the conference every year, like running. You know what I mean? The last thing Monroe needs is to feel confident about themselves. Let's not do. I that. mean, if they're not the worst, I mean, <laughs> to quote. Alec Baldwin from The Departed, you know, th- if they're not the worst team in the conference every year, I mean, the world needs ditch diggers. So, right. Somebody's got to do it. So, I mean, whether it's Arkansas State or, you know, us or, you know, Georgia State or whoever decides to, to be the absolute dead worst, I mean, yeah. I, I think just by virtue of beating Troy and Liberty, I don't think they're they're the worst team in the conference. No, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't. I, I think you're spot on with them not being the worst team in the conference anymore. Like, like you said, I think there's. I think there's two teams below them at least. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're an easy like check the box win right. every year the way that they they were. They I mean, been, I, they're right. at least going to like put up an effort. So, I mean, credit to them for that. I, I've kind of wanted to see them in Texas State show a little more. Spunk, yeah. I guess is the word. Um, yeah, no every year, I, I want them to at least be competitive in games. I, I don't want them losing fifty nine to zero every time they play a conference opponent. Right. Four so. games. Four games this week in week eight. Crazy to think that we're already in week eight. Um, it starts tomorrow night, Wednesday night, ESPN two six thirty kickoff from Boone, North Carolina, as the number fourteen. Coastal Carolina Chanticleers take on four and two App State. Coastal listed as a five point, four and a half point favorite on the road. Coastal. Let's see, I I got App. Winning outright or covering the four and a half? Winning outright. Why? I think that. After the game with Louisiana last week, App is going to be so pissed off that they're going to need to make a statement. They're at home. They're on TV. This game, a win in this game keeps them alive for a conference championship spot. See, this is the thing for me. You could have made this exact same argument in 2020, and it still turned out the way it turned out. You know what I mean? Like, 
App and Coastal were going into the same exact circumstances last year, and Coastal still beat them. Yeah, and, but they didn't beat them by much. Right, but I think App got worse at the quarterback position. Well, I don't disagree with that. Okay. But... And Coastal has, what, the best tight end in the country, probably the best quarterback, top to bottom in the Sun Belt. Defense is good. I just... What is App going to do to attack? I mean, you watched the game last weekend. Like, what is, or you know, last, what, Thursday? Tuesday. What is App going to do yeah. Tuesday? What, what is App going to do to attack Coastal that Coastal hasn't seen before? Whether they've seen it or not, I don't know. I I, I got a feeling. But they're going to run the ball up the middle 40 times and, like, hope that Chase Bryce doesn't have to throw the ball. And Coastal's going to be like, no, 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 no. You're going to need to throw it to beat us. And it's like, if if I'm Coastal, I'm sticking eight guys in the box and hoping Chase Bryce throws the ball. I, I just, I have a feeling. I know that the odds are totally against Nap. I just, I have a feeling at, like I said, at home. I mean, I thought you got you guys would beat App last week, and I thought it would be close. But they're gonna. I, they're, I didn't they think need, for a second it was gonna be forty-one to thirteen. They need they need something to keep their season alive. Again, at home, big game. I don't know. I, I take I'll take App. I don't I don't think it matters what they need. I don't I don't think they're one of the two best teams in the conference. I think they're solidly solidly number three. Now, if Coastal has some sort of hiccup and they lose two games and and or three games or whatever to end the year, I don't know how that would happen. But App will be there to like fill that spot. But I think they're very solidly the third best team in the conference, which isn't a knock. But I can't, I can't with good conscience say that Chase Bryce is going to go out and beat Coastal. I just can't. Like after what I saw. Well, you know, technically. So, walk me through this. If App beats Coastal, and App wins out, even if right. even if Coastal wins out, wouldn't they be tied? No, because App would have the tiebreaker. The head-to-head wins the tiebreaker. Well, right. So how? But how would they not be tied? They would each have one conference loss. Right, but the head-to-head win would be the tiebreaker. So if App won, they would have the tiebreaker win over Coastal, and they would go to the conference title game. Okay, so if App wins and then they both win out, App goes to the title game. Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure it's all about because I hear I'm, I'm hearing tiebreaker. I'm hearing everybody say, "Oh, you know, Coastal has to lose twice." Blah blah, and I'm like, "Why?" That, that's assuming that like I I think that was assuming that. App beat Louisiana last week. Oh, okay. Because about otherwise to say, it doesn't make any if sense. If they both only have one conference loss and App beats Coastal, App has the tiebreaker. I was I was confused. Whoever, to, to put it simply, whoever wins this game makes the, you know, holds their own, controls their own destiny is essentially how it goes. Because if it, whoever wins this game, it, I will say if Coastal wins this game, it's pretty much a wrap. Like oh, we know who's going to the we're, we know who's going to the title game. It is. Now, if App wins, the problem then becomes: Can App win the rest of their games without tripping? Well, and that's kind of a challenge in itself. 
given what we saw last week. So I I just think Coastal, man, I, I, I don't think they've lost a step since last year. If anything, I feel like they're more focused. Um, I think this is Chadwell's last year in, uh, you know, at, at Coastal. I think he's going to move on after this year and take a bigger, better job. So I think he's got them locked in. I, I think they're going to be at. Fair enough. Thursday night. Jonesboro, Arkansas, five and one Louisiana, one and five Arkansas State, six thirty ESPNU, Louisiana, an eighteen point favorite. Louisiana covers and then some. Easy, easy. Louisiana because, covers because and then Georgia some. Southern beat them by twenty six. I mean, if you guys are in the market for scoring points, like you found the right team because they're willing to give it up. So, right, right. <laughs> uh, oh, let me see. Hold on. What's the over under? Over under 70. Over under 70. I'd be inclined to take the over, but the problem is I, I would have questions about whether they could score on y'all's defense is, Shit, my, is my only question. They have the fifth best passing offense in the country. Yeah, um, but you've got to understand like the process in which that passing offense happens. Well, yeah, like, it's because they're always playing from behind. Correct, but they also played Georgia Southern, who has one of the worst passing defense right. in the country, and they threw three picks, including a pick six. So you kind of have to like analyze like, are you guys going to let them get to the point where James Blackman throws for three hundred and thirty-five well, yards? James Blackman. James Blackman's not going to play. Okay, he's well, out for Lane the year. Hatcher then. Yeah, is Lane is Lane Hatcher going to get right. to the point where he gets to throw for almost four hundred yards? Because if Prob- not, probably. But if you guys play conservative ball control, then I don't want anything to do with the over. Now, now, if you guys are ripping off chunk touchdowns on every possession, then sure, it's in play. But I think I, I think mean, we're I think we're going to stick to what we're good at and run the damn ball. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Is that there's a there's a difference between like three yards and a cloud of dust, or being like, oh, here, there's a 76 yard touchdown right. on every possession. Right. So like, that's why when Georgia Southern played Arkansas State, I was like, give me the over, and it was 66, and it was there were 50 points at halftime, and I was like, right, yep. because neither team has any defense, so both teams are just scoring at will. Right. So, I, I just give me Louisiana. 18 just give it to me like i i think they cover i think they win by 35 god i hope so arkansas state's that bad man like as as okay as their offense is their defense is one of the worst in the country you know i've I've said it before i host i host my own louisiana podcast and last night we interviewed a arkansas state writer and um how did he he, he talked about how their fan base considers us their biggest rival. He said, dude, Arkansas State hates you guys. So, yeah, I mean, if we beat, if we beat our rival by 35, freaking give it to me. Were you like that Don Draper meme where he's like, I don't think about you at all? <laughs> well, no, because, because honestly, we consider them a rival. I mean, up until up until three years ago, Louisiana, Arkansas State determined who won the West. Right. Yeah. So and, I mean, and now it's just it, like a it naturally ball. it naturally became a rivalry game. 
Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, we can honestly, I consider Arkansas State more of a rival than ULM. Okay. Because, I mean, ULM it just sits on the island of misfit toys. And maybe not for much longer. I mean, maybe not. And, and, and I would I would love for ULM to become, you know, our big rival again. I miss those days. But, yeah. I mean, it just hasn't been that way for the last few years. Two games this Saturday. To be honest, I'm not intrigued by either one. Texas State, Georgia State from Atlanta. Georgia State minus 10 and a half. I'll take that. I'll take Texas State plus 10 and a half. I mean, I... I this this, seen is, this is a toss-up game. I think ten and a half is a lot of points to give to a team like Texas State, which could win outright any week. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it, there are three teams in the Sun Belt that I would say Texas State will not win outright against, and it's the top three. And then everyone else, I feel like, is in danger of getting upset by the Bobcats. And then your last one, ESPN 3, 6 o'clock from Monroe. UOM. See, I'm actually interested in this game. And the only reason I say that is because I feel like this is going to be a real measuring stick for what UL Monroe is. Oh, yeah. Now, now if they roll over and let South Alabama pet their bellies like a dog, then I'm going to be like, okay, well, maybe those two wins, they, they got a little out ahead of their skis and they weren't really ready for the moment. But if they even, I mean, if this game comes down to like a field goal at the end, South Alabama's a pretty good team. So yeah. like, if if they're if they're fighting to the bitter end or they win outright in this game, like, I'm going to be very impressed with what ULM is doing. The line is thirteen and a half. South Alabama. Give me the Warhawks. And that I probably that, wouldn't bet this because I don't know what Warhawks team I'm getting, but I would be inclined to agree. That and, and and that's the reason is because like this is the true gut check for ULM. That pains me to say. But give me the Warhawks. I, I don't think, think I don't think to. I don't think they win. But it'll be closer than 13 and a half. Even if it's 10, I mean, even if it's a two-score game, yeah. like, it, 10 points isn't that much. And like I said, like, South Alabama's played some good defense this year. So. All right, let's do it. Let's let's have this conversation. Billy Napier's not going to Baton Rouge. I don't know. He's not. I mean, I, could, I, I brought this up before we started recording. I could see LSU wanting a bigger splash of a of a hire because I mean to be honest, like in, in your okay, so I, let me let me ask you this. Let me play devil's advocate. Okay. I, I agree with you. I think LSU does want that splash hire. So let me ask right. you, who's the splash hire? Kendall Bryles at Arkansas. It's interesting because out of everything that I have read from local media, especially Baton Rouge media. He is not a name that comes up. See, logically, that's what makes sense to me because it's like you, you and and the reason I've been advocating and I and I wish like my my hope is that Georgia Southern could end up with him is because you 
the the universal you you unequivocally know that that is Kendall Bryles offense at Arkansas like there is no one else coming close to calling offensive plays at Arkansas it's his offense the reason that I'm more hesitant on Jeff Lebby at Ole Miss is because I think that's uh, I think that's Lane Kiffin's offense. Lane Kiffin's offense. Yep. And I think he's just kind of being the understudy to Kiffin, whereas Sam Pittman's not calling plays in Arkansas. Right. You see, and that the, would the be name... the logical choice because it's like you've got power five offensive coordinator who has a track record of being successful. Someone's going to come poach him at some point. Like right. he's just not going to stay at Arkansas for his no, entire life. He will be a head so, coach. Right. Um, no, you know, the name I'm hearing a lot is Mel Tucker from Michigan State. He was at LSU with Nick Saban back in the early 2000s. You know, he's 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 finally, I think it's like a year too early for that. I, I agree. I think Mel Tucker, I think I, I'm impressed with what he's done with Michigan State, but I'd want to see it for more than one year because right. there's been a lot of coaches that have come in and been really hot for a year. And then Gene um, <laughs> Chizik. And uh, <laughs> when they have that one year, they're great. And then after that year, they're trash. So it's like, I'd like to see it for two, three years down the line and right. be like, and then, okay, I know that guy's going to be a good head coach. LSU fans swear that they can get Jimbo to come back to Baton Rouge. Yeah, I've been seeing that. I don't, I don't no get that way. at all. No way. Why would, why would Jimbo leave A&M? He's got a top 25 program contending in the SEC. They just gave him a stadium renovation to what was already one of the top stadiums in college football. He's probably got the most loyal. Can I tell you why the reason is out there? Can I tell you why? Because you could have asked the same question with FSU. I I mean, think about it. It's like what he won a national championship at Florida State. Why would he leave Florida State to go to AM? The SEC. That, I mean, if you've won a national championship, who cares at that point? You can win it at any, at, at any Power Five conference. Who cares if you're winning it at Oregon or Ohio State or USC or AM? Like, it, it's all the same at that point. He had, a, I mean, that team he had that won the national championship at uh, Florida State is like one of the most, if you go back and look, it's like one of the most stacked teams oh, yeah. there have ever that been. Team, I mean, he had like retarded. 22 starters on both sides of the oh, ball go to the NFL and that start. Was, that, that was a bad word. I'm sorry. Let me not say that. Um, That team was very impressive. But like, that's, that's what I'm saying is like, what makes, if you were a national championship contending team, what makes that different from another right. power five school? That's also a national championship. I, I, there may have been off the field stuff that played into it. I've heard a lot of things that were the reason that he moved on that had nothing to do with the football program. And you and I could probably talk about that like off this podcast, but those were the reasons that I heard that he moved on, not because it was a lateral, like one-to-one move, which is what it was from a football perspective. Now I I don't understand going from an sec school to an sec school, unless you were going like Dan Mullen, where you're like, 
I have a lower tier SEC school here. I have a higher tier with a more athletic budget SEC school here. If you're going from Vanderbilt to LSU, I get it. Right. I don't get going from A&M to LSU. That seems lateral and like you're just starting over again. For sure. Um, But again, you know, I don't think Billy Napier takes that job for a couple reasons. Uh, Number one, I don't, I don't think he's ready. Well, for, for that kind of jump it, it, in the in the the outcome that you laid out, wouldn't it be ideal for Mel Tucker to take the job? Hypothetically, we're we're just doing hypotheticals. Right. Mel Tucker takes the LSU job. Billy Napier goes up to Michigan State and takes Correct. his spot. Correct. I think I think Billy Napier needs to take a ACC job, Big Ten job maybe even a big 12 job right before he's jumping into the clinches of the sec. Yeah. I don't think he's ready for the sec. He's not. I mean, also if, 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 and this is no, no knock against you guys, but I also think if he was in the position and you guys were in the position that Luke fickle was at, at Cincinnati, where you are a top four team in the country right now, I think he's probably considered for the LSU job, but because you guys are a top G five school and not a top five school in the country. Right. Probably also takes them out of the running for that job. Secondly, LSU will not swallow their pride enough to hire quote unquote little brothers head coach. Well, I mean, I, in my opinion just goes back to the splash hire thing right. with that. I, I, I don't think he's a big enough name right now like his the brand equity with his name is just not and there. then lastly i think he's gonna wait and see what happens with the college football playoff let me tell you why coach like billy napier wants to go to bigger and better schools to win a national title or at least have the opportunity to play for one right right depending on what happens with the college football playoff and depending on if Louisiana can sustain the success that they currently have, wouldn't Louisiana have that chance to play for a national title? No. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I hate to say it, but like, look at every, look at the dominoes that had to fall for Cincinnati to get in the position that they're currently in. Well, well agreed. But my, my point is if you have a 12 team playoff and you're the top G five team in the country, you're going to be in the playoffs, right? But there, but that's the, that's the problem too, is there's not even a guarantee you're going to be the top G five team. Like what happens if, okay, let, let's say all is equal. Everybody's on a, on an even slate. Let's say Cincinnati is a G five team right now. That's very, very good. No one's arguing that. And you guys are very, very good. It comes down because you don't play each other to who had the higher preseason ranking. If Cincinnati has a higher preseason ranking and they have the same record as you guys, they're going to take that spot. You see what I'm saying? So it's like if Coastal has the same ranking as you guys and they win the Sun Belt, they're taking that spot or whatever. You know, whatever. There's a lot of variables in play where it's like if you go to a Power 5 school, pretty much like you just win your conference, you're in. Because like... 
Unless yeah. you you lose three games and win your conference like a Pac-12 school, I think I think what he I think what Napier needs to do is sit and wait and see what coach leaves to go to USC. He might take that job because the who who's of, in the running? The job of the coach that leaves. Yeah. Okay. Because like, yeah. who's who's in the running of the USC job right now? Like I haven't heard anybody's who, who, name. Who? Yeah. Exactly. So if they poach, the only coach I could see him not taking their job out from under them, like after they leave, is Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. You know what job because makes me nervous equal, right now? That's an equal move. You know what job makes me nervous to lose Billy Napier? What if North Carolina moves on from Mac Brown? I don't think they're going to move on after two years or however many years he's been there. That they were just jo- good last year. That would make me nervous. That is a job. They were just good last year. I just don't see it. That is a job that Billy Napier could go to right now and have success. I think Mac Brown would have to move on from North Carolina. Yeah. Which I I don't think North Carolina, because North Carolina has wanted to be a competitive football school for so long. I think it can eat one bad year. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. And I, I'm struggling other than Orgeron. Like I'm struggling and, and the USC job, which I mentioned, but I'm struggling to see what power five, like major schools are going to be out of a coach this year and who's going to be looking for a replacement. But that's what I mean is like, what if Mel Tucker ends up at USC? Right. Napier takes the Michigan, Michigan State, State job, job regardless. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up Ed Ogeron. One, one thing I want to say before we move on to our final topic. I was reading his separation agreement, which, by the way, that's, the first thing that's unheard of a separation agreement. Mm-hmm. One of the clauses in his agreement is that he is to attend one event a year for the next four years as a representative of LSU. I would be like, that's a, I'm going to attend a football game in the president's box. That's the, 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 be, the best, the best analogy that I have heard is from a friend of mine. He said, you know what that reminds me of? Hey, honey, I know we're getting a divorce, but will you still come to my office Christmas party as my wife for the next four years? <laughs> like, you know what it reminds me of, too, is like, this isn't a one-to-one, but like the Lions, the Detroit Lions recently got in trouble because they asked Calvin Johnson to show up to some events for them, and then they decided not to pay him, and then they were like, and then he's like, well, I will acknowledge that the Lions exist once they pay me the back pay that I'm owed. That's kind of what it reminds me of. It's like, yeah, it, it's that, but like they're going to pay him because they have to pay him contractually. But like, like how, how are you, how are you going to fire a guy? Because regardless of what it's going to be labeled, you fired him. How are you going to fire a guy and then say, hey, spend the next four years representing us? What if, and it has to be in the off season because, like, what if he gets another job? Like, what right. if he's an offensive line and, coach? And then, and then it, say, say he gets another job. How does he explain that to the other university? Hey, I've got to go be a representative has, of another. It has another to be school. in the off season. That's the only explanation. Like, or he does all four in one year and then gets it. Or, or wait, no, it's over it's the next one event four a years. year for the next four years. All right. So in in baseball season, he shows up to one baseball game, goes like. Waves to the crowd and then he just dips out. That's got to be the only way because yeah, 
Otherwise, that's oh man. He's not no. If he gets a, another offensive line coaching job or whatever, or assistant head coach, like he's not coming during football season. Forget it. Very quickly, last topic that we will cover: conference realignment. Major, major news yesterday. The American Athletic Conference. It actually was updated today. Uh, six applications have officially been filed to join the American Athletic Conference by Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB. This is monumental, not only in the landscape of college football, but for the Sun Belt. Because now this opens the door for the Sun Belt to make that expansion move that they've been looking to make since conference realignment really started over the summer. Um, and it's pretty telling which teams didn't get into the Atlanta, uh, you know, American or whatever. Right. Mike Oresco decided to go for TV market, which. Rice. I don't understand <laughs> because Kusa did that a couple years ago when they brought in. Um, God, who'd they bring in? Who, who were the teams that when they brought in FAU and all those schools into the into Conference USA because, oh, my God, Boca Raton. Who doesn't love Boca Raton? And how did that work out for them? Five years later, FAU's jumping ship. Yeah. Like it, I mean, that's how it works. Going going for market is not – it has been proven time and time again that that's not the way you should do it. And conference commissioners still continue to do it. Well, I, I told you this before we started recording. The funny thing is – you know, and I know, if the American wanted to walk over to the Conference USA and the Sun Belt and wanted to take their pick of the hand winner pick. from each conference yep. and handpick who they wanted, they could have done so without a single Nobody hesitation. would have batted an eye. No, but it's kind of wild to pick, like what you said, like market. And that's why I yelled like rice, because I'm like, what? What does Rice bring does to the Rice table other than Houston? Table ta- other than Houston, Texas, nothing. Yeah, like it, oh, but, ac- but that's the thing Academics. too. Is like if you wanted Texas as a market, you've already got UTSA, who's I, I know I know college football success is fleeting. I know this could be a one year wonder. You never know. Shout out, happens. shout out our editor Jared Calmus on this one. Right, but that's the Texas market, right? And it's not like, with you. I'm with you. Why? Maybe, maybe academics. Rice covers your academics. They're the Vanderbilt of. Yeah, they're the Vanderbilt of. You, the American. Right. Sure. I mean, yeah, they, they, they definitely cover your academic. But goals, if they had decided, if but, they had looked at the conferences and said, regardless of market, we're going to take the best the most supported programs from the Sunbelt and the Conference USA, and they had walked over and said, give me UAB, give me – I know they didn't do this. We'll talk about this. I, I, I know this is who they left out. They, they said, let's take Marshall. Let's take App. Let's take Georgia Southern. Let's take Louisiana. Like, you know, they went down the line like that, and we're like, let's take – these right. teams coastal like let's take all these teams and just add them to our conference no one would have like you said no one would have batted an eye but it's so weird the way that they went about doing it i think it's both causing a death knell i guess for the conference usa and yep. it's also i think going to hurt the american long term for sure for sure um 
It's looking, I mean, according to social media rumors, uh, it's looking like Marshall and Southern Miss could soon be joining the Sun Belt. I think they are. I um, think I think it's inevitable. I think I think that's a positive move for the conference. I do for sure. Um, in multiple sports, not just football. Um, maybe so, maybe. So here here's my question. Like, let's not go any further than that. Let's just say they add those two teams. The Sun Belt's not non-questioning the best G five yeah. conference. Correct. Agreed. Like it's there. There. There's no like. Well, you know. I mean, with the way that the Big Twelve is poaching those American schools, like they're the best G five conference hands down. Then, right? Yeah. No. Agreed. I mean, think about it. App, Louisiana, Coastal, Marshall. Like right there. You've. I mean, that's in four teams of that caliber. That's an insane conference. Insane. It. It is. It is today's American. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that'd be a huge move for the conference. Obviously we can talk about that more as things get updated, which I think will happen in the not so distant future. I think probably in the next month you will hear major news on on that end. And obviously here on the underdog dynasty, Sunbelt podcast, we'll keep you updated when we know things, we will let you guys know as well. Uh, Brian, man, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah, on Twitter, you can find me at Watch the Stones. Find me at Miguez Matt. Like I said, we'll be back next week to break down these games. We're getting into November, which means football just gets a hell of a lot more entertaining in the Sun Belt. Thank you for joining us this week. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. Podcast.